Hi, and welcome to this episode of SEPAD Pod, the Sectarianism, Proxies, and Desectarianization podcast based at Lancaster University. I'm Simon Maybon, and today I'm joined by Marjub Zweri. Marjub is Associate Professor and Director of Gulf Studies Centre at uh, the Qatar University, the College of Arts and Sciences. Marjub has written extensively on, on a range of, of issues pertaining to Middle East politics, Middle East geopolitics, and many other issues. He's someone who's had a big influence on my own work and my own ideas. So I'm really excited to, uh, to be joined by him today. Marjub, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Simon, for uh, inviting me to join you. Thank you. Uh, the, the pleasure is mine, Majub. So, um, as I said, I, I've, I've been really influenced by, by your ideas and your work, and there's a lot for us to, uh, to, to cover over the course of this podcast. But I wonder, can we start at the beginning, please? I mean, what, what piqued your interest in, in academia and, and politics more broadly? You know, Simon, um, um, when I was when I finished my first degree, um, uh, I, I it was clear to me um, that um, academia is the environment, is the sphere where I can um, have impact, uh, and um, so that's the reason where when I finished my first degree, um, I was influenced by um, professors who basically. Uh, have impact on me, like uh, Professor Drazid uh, Duri, who's the father of historians in the Arab world, um, and and other um, uh, professors. So I, I made my mind that um, uh, I have to continue on, on, on that path clearly. So I moved after a few months to the MA, where I did MA in in, in um, Abbasid in history, actually in political thought. Then um, uh, I, the, the, the time I finished my MA, I submitted my paper different places to get a PhD, and then I uh, basically uh, left Heidelberg University, where I was accepted to do my PhD in Iran. Uh, uh, after I accept, after I received my acceptance from Tehran University, I moved immediately from Heidelberg University in Germany to do my PhD in Iran. And that was that was an, an amazing decision. I'm very proud of it. <clears throat> of course, yeah, and I, I hope we can touch on that in a in a little bit. But but Marjorie, what was it about academia that that piqued your interest? Though I mean, you mentioned having uh, thinking that you could have an impact. I mean, what were you hoping to achieve in in academia? Was it knowledge production? Was it changing the world around you? Actually, it, it, you know, you know. Um, as you know, Simon, I'm you know um, I'm a person who who, who basically born and, and uh, raised in, in, in the Middle East and the Arab world, and and as you know, as a specialist in the region, there are also uh, uh, issues, problems, challenges, and one of the main challenges uh, I, I realized from the beginning is actually knowledge, uh, is is producing knowledge, is understanding, is contributing to the knowledge uh, of the world about this region. Um, all voices, all literature is is from outsiders, outsiders who, at the end of the day, influenced by their own culture, literature, uh, social life, uh, political life, but they are not necessarily uh, 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 know the region, um, assuming as people who are living. So, producing knowledge, sharing knowledge, uh, shedding lights, um, challenging ideas, uh, challenging challenging the 
the the the the the, the, uh, the way how others are thinking about the region uh, that was clear in my mind. So um, that's the reason. First of all, I I moved to history because I do believe that um, even those who are working in politics, international relations, if they want, I always give this advice to my students. If do you want to be really nearly uh, strong, nearly influential in your knowledge, you need to have a, a, a deep knowledge about history. History, especially in, in the region you are working on. So history had, has provided me with this kind of knowledge, with this kind of dynamics, with this kind of patterns, with this kind of literature, so I can understand and, 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 and analyze and um, provide knowledge about the uh, uh, politics and, and situation in the Middle East. So it's, it's about actually producing knowledge, sharing knowledge, shedding lights, and, and helping uh, in understanding the region uh, from, from within the region. That's a really interesting point about about knowledge from within, uh, indigenous knowledge, if you will. The, it, it strikes me that there's there's sometimes a bit of a tension there then between knowledge produced from from within the region and knowledge produced outside of the region. How how does that play out? Do you think how how do we reconcile that tension that 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 manifests in in a range of different ways? This is an, an excellent question. I, I, just, I just finished now a, a conference about social sciences and society post-COVID-19. Right. And one of the elements I was, I was actually discussing is, is the need to rehumanize social sciences and area studies. Why I'm saying this? If you look at... Uh, uh, area studies, Middle East, as example, Middle Eastern studies. All of those studies in the last 60, 70 years was whether politicized or securitized. Sure. And the approaches, from my own perspective, are not helping to understand societies, to understand the human being, to bridging the gaps, to have best deep uh, 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 knowledge about the others. So if you look at, for example, the uh, uh, how 9-11 uh, has influenced the social sciences when it comes to the Middle Eastern studies. Hmm. All departments who are working on the region, they moved to focus on terrorism and focus on counter-terrorism without looking deeply to the social context, to the values, to the languages, to other issues. Previously, we used to consider these matters, and that, that produced an experts in the field over the globe. If you look, Simon, now, in the last 20 years, and compare them with the uh, post-Second World War in terms of number of experts in Middle Eastern studies, you see how much the number is declining. Mm. And one of the reasons behind this is this kind of actions to politicize Middle East sisters and taking them from being a discipline, a field of work, where you can contribute to knowledge, produce knowledge, produce uh, uh, help to understand others, helping the government, helping, you know, in bringing peace. Or Now it's become 
just to uh, uh, feel for how can you define terrorist? How can you define who is terrorist, who is not? And, and the other aspect, you know, the major issue, gender issue, gender issue in the Middle East has become the core business in, in most of the uh, universities in the last 30 years. As the only problem in the region is actually women or, or, or the gender issue. We have in the region loads of problems. You know, uh, the, uh, you know, the lack of social justice, the lack of political freedom, the lack, all of those matters are becoming less important as suddenly we focus on the, and these kind of picking choose in uh, academia has contributed to the lack of understanding of the region, and which to me is actually uh, uh, contributed to the element I mentioned, having sort of decline, declining the number of experts who really expert in the region and can contribute to better understanding to the situation in the region. Look now who, how many people contribute to the media in the Middle East. We have now what I call them a one article one article expert in the region <laughs> yeah. who can write three articles and then the, he becomes an expert uh, hosted by different media outlets to analyze and provide the public of uh, misinformation about the region and what's happening in the region. <clears throat> that's, that's a really interesting and if somewhat depressing point. But I think what it does do, Majub, is it stresses both the need for for an increased production of indigenous knowledge, but also the need for for external uh, scholars and and people working on the region like like myself to engage more with with localized experts, uh, indigenous knowledge producers, if you will. I think we all have a responsibility to do that in in a range of different ways. That's absolutely needed, and I think the the level of engagement I was witnessing in the last few years between the colleagues who's working uh, in different, um, you know, European or American university with their colleagues in the region, that helped a lot to bridge the gap and to produce more balanced knowledge and view on the region. Sure, sure. Okay, Majib, I think there's an interesting segue here, and I, I hope you can uh, you can see it here, from from this, this question about knowledge production inside and outside. To some of the work that that you've been doing um, with regard to to Iran, so as um, as an Arab, can I ask what what piqued your interest in Iran and what what prompted you to be interested in working on on the Islamic Republic? You know, um, uh, Arabs. They uh, you know, and and uh, when when we study Islamic history, we we well learn that you know Arabs, then Persian, then Turk, the tooth the three nations contributed to the Islamic civilization. And in the Arab world, uh, um, until 1980s, there was no interest to study the history of Iran. There was focus to study sometimes uh, uh, Persian language. Um, I, this, I mean, when I decided to go to study Iran, I was, I was, the decision was made to study Iran even outside Iran, as I mentioned. I was accepted in Heidelberg University. But then when I had this acceptance from Tehran and I had discussion from with my professor there, he said to me, go and learn Farsi and then you'll see what's the meaning of, of studying the country within the country and inside the country. This is a different experience. He was originally Lebanese. Right. So 
Obviously, he was right. I mean, when I went there, I finished the course, the, the, the Persian language course, which used they designed it for six months. I finished it in 120 days, and I have a certificate that I, you know, I'm now entitled to go to my start my PhD. Um, I how much that's important. How much is really crucial to have yeah. access to the society, to the, you know, because. When I, when I always say, when I went to Tehran, I got three PhDs. One, the PhD in philosophy from university. The other one, PhD because of language. And yeah. the third one, PhD society. Of course. Because, because you know, I was able to understand people, how they move, how they behave. What does it mean when they laugh? What does it mean when they when they cry? What what you know? There, there is there is a there is a, a fun, there is a, a very funny story. They someone t- uh, was telling me people they have a yellow smiling. I'm translating. Mm-hmm. He was saying, "Afra," and I said, "Yellow smiling," and I was I was I was looking at this yellow smiling. It, and I realized what does it mean? It, it means that someone is listening to you and he is likely, he's in between, he's 50-50, 60-50, he's not convinced, he's just, you know, try to please you. Right, okay. He tried to just, you know, to, just to tell you that I'm on you, I'm with you in the, in the same page, you know, something like this. You know, and and many, many stories and sayings and examples. So that was an, an amazing experience. You know, I was I was I was there just a few months after Muhammad Khatami came to, to power, uh, which was the, the reform era. So I witnessed basically his first presidency and I left when he became, when he, when he started his second presidency. That was a crucial time in Iran because... <clears throat> Since that time, the foreign movement has basically declining uh, uh, rapidly in Iran. I witnessed, you know, the uh, opening up of the society, opening up, you know, socially, politically. Um, I witnessed a major event in 1999. Uh, 1999, yes, the demonstration Tehran University and the the the, the leader the real uh, um, uh, securitization and militarization of politics in Iran at that time, which basically led uh, to uh, emerging a new political elite uh, coming from revolutionary guard. One of them, interestingly, Simon, is Muhammad Ali Qaribaf, who is who's elected just last week uh, as, as a speaker of the parliament. At that yeah. time, he was the he was he was he was in charge of security of Tehran, and he basically he he was using the maximum power of force to force people not to demonstrate. So these are events I witnessed. I watched. I watched them. I I saw them from my window. I read the newspapers. So these are opportunities you know I would never forget because these are things. I have, I, I have, you know, taken from uh, my experience there, which until today is helping me to understand dynamics in Iran, uh, politically, economically, and socially. I have so many questions, Majub, about your time in Iran and how it's shaped you as a scholar. But, but perhaps you can share with us, if this is okay, just a, a memory from from when you first arrived and and what it was like to be to be in the other, if you will, in this place that <laughs> that you've you've just noted as as not having properly been explored in your your upbringing and intellectual currents 
You know, in the Arab world, you know, Simon, because you study the region uh, uh, and, you, and you understand a lot of what's happening, especially when it comes to Iran in the context of uh, sectarianism. In the Arab world, in the uh, uh, mid of 1990s, there was a perception that Iranians are, all of them are in the, in the mosque on Friday because CNN and media outlets broad, broadcast and images of Friday praying. And you assume that all people are praying in, 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 yeah. in Tehran. All. And remember, you know, there are three, uh, you know, memories I, that's of, 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 I think, the most important uh, memories. The first one, uh, um, when, I, uh, when I arrived to the airport at uh, 3.30 of uh, 8th of August, uh, 8th of September, sorry, uh, it was the next day after Diana uh, passed away. I remember it, uh, you know, uh, exactly. So on the 8th of September, uh, to, uh, 1997, I arrived to, to Tehran University, Tehran Airport. And at that time, it was uh, 3.30 in the morning. The first two images, just after I, you know, have left the, uh, pass, the, the so-called the passport area, yeah. uh, uh, is two girls are sitting on the ground with half hijab and smoking. Right. So, you know, I came with this perception which influenced my media. Sure. And so the first shock is, oh my God, what's <laughs> happening? Yeah. So, and the more I move on, Outside the airport, more images, more images, more behaviors, more. And then, you know, the whole thing in my mind start to work and put questions. Question my knowledge, my perception, uh, what I knew myself, basically. Right. And the event, which again, it, I think, it, I believe it was very important when um uh when 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 i am invited to a birthday party and and um uh when i get to the to the the uh house um and introduced by the host uh a lady came to me and she started attacking me and she said you are arab you are you make our life hell you brought islam to us you did this you did that you did and she attacked me, Simon, attacked me. Right. For nearly five minutes. Imagine yourself, you're invited, you are invited to a birthday party, you have a flower in your hand. Hmm. Yeah. And then attacking you. So I have just to, I frozen, you know, just speechless. Until she finishes, actually, her, her statement. Uh, uh, and then she, I, saw, I told her, uh, Madam, I swear God, I was not with those people who came to Iran at that time. I was just trying to escape from her, you know, attack. Sure. People, they start to laugh on my statement because they got my point that, you know, you blame me. You know, I wasn't with those people. You know, you can't blame others. It doesn't mean that I am an Arab, so you blame me as well. So <clears throat> that story tells me something important at that time. It told me that how much history is shaping the Iranian view towards Arabs. Mm. And that was okay, and that was a social occasion. 
So there is there is a legacy, there is something inherited in the minds and which shaping the views, which I wrote about it later on, on, on my, on my uh, uh, publications. And I think, you know, those two stories, just quickly, uh, just add to them one, the first class of my PhD, when the professor asked me, where are you from? And then, and then when I told him from, I'm from Jordan, he said to me, oh, you are an Arab. Uh, imagine yourself to ask your student, for example, in the university, uh, where are you from? Ah, you are a Chinese? Hmm, Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, then I said, yes. And uh, Anyway, the, the, you know, those are three, you know, incidents. They happened, um, and, and I always remember them, how they uh, forced me uh, to, to review uh, all what I knew before about Iran at that time, and then start from zero to rebuild sure. uh, my knowledge. And that was basically the experience of Iran, which you know, I'm very proud of it. <clears throat> I can understand that, and I can certainly see see why you would be and you should be. It's, it's fascinating to hear that, Maju, and it's easy to see from that experience how you've, you've tried to build on that that sort of intellectual moment of departure from what came before to, to reflect on on Iran's relationship with, with its Arab neighbours and, and vice versa. I mean, some of your, your publications explore this in, in some detail, which are absolutely fascinating. And, and I would urge everyone to, to look at, um, at, at these publications, particularly um, a recent piece in the sociology of Islam, the Arabs and Iranians, what went wrong and why? Because you start to, to unpack some of these these stereotypes and these relationships that have been so so very prevalent. I, I wonder, Majub, could you just briefly um, give us a couple of reasons as to, to why relations soured between the two, please? Just taking from that article that I mentioned. I, mean, I think, you know, history has contributed a lot to this. I mean, there are three events um, affected Iranian uh, history and all of them related to the Arab to the Arabs. The first one is actually, you know, the uh, uh, you know, is, is, you know, bringing Islam to, to to Iran. And that was that was that that was not uh, and an, an just an event or just an you know a, a, a change happened to Iran. It 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 pushed Iran to uh, move its own or to leave uh, some two important. Uh, component of identity, the religion and the language, because uh, after after the after uh, Arabs went there, Iran became a, a part of uh, Islamic world, and also in 200 years later on, the 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 trans the the, the transcript of the Farsi uh, letters became basically an Arabic letters. Mm. Um, so that was that was a major impact. So the letters we use now are Arabic letters, basically. Uh, uh, and only just four uh, of them are uh, from the origin or from the origin Farsi uh, uh, transcript. They call it transcript. No, not so, what they call it. The letters. Um, the script. 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 Sorry. Yeah. So four remains of of the old Farsi. And the second and the, the second event, um, uh, I think, it's, it's very it's very clear is. Even when in Iran want to um, convert uh, uh, from being 
Sunni Shafi'i in the early 16th century. They couldn't find, even within Iran, scholars who can do this. So they have to rely on Arabs from Jabal Amr in Lebanon mm. or Al-Qatif in Eastern Arabian Peninsula or in Bahrain. And until now, as you know, I'm sure you study this in, in, in your field in sectarianism, a lot of ulama in Iran today, they, they have the, the family Amili or Qatifi or Hisai, all of them actually originally from the uh, Arab uh, Arab region, uh, historically. Mm. I think those, even, even until uh, 19th century, most of the Shia literature <coughs> was produced uh, using Arabic language, or 80% of it actually written in Arabic language. And the Parisization of, of, of Farsi, of, of Shia literature, is started later, actually. If you go to Safavid's uh, literature about uh, uh, Shiism, that's, you'll see many of the literature, many of the uh, fiqh and, and other books about Shiism, most of them written in Arabic or most of them in Arabic. Mm. So that tells you the impact uh, uh, of, of Arabs and, 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 and Iran. So in all of this, keep this in mind, in contemporary time, when it comes to the Islamic Republic of Iran, if they want to, talk, you know, they, they, are, they are claiming they are, you know, an Islamic Republic, they are referring to Islam as a religion and Shia as a sect. So if they want to go to the, the holy books, the Quran is Arabic. If they want to go to the uh, the, the 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 Ahlul Bayt the family the the Prophet family they are again they are Arabs they are from Quraysh um, if they want to go to the scholars uh, uh, it, for example the terminology Sayyid if you you know Simon Sayyid course, yeah. is is going back to those they're going back to those who are an Arab origin basically because they are uh, refer them to the Al Hussein bin Ali there is there is sort of this kind of Arabization. And I think all of this in mind, there was a move for parasitization of, of the sect. Uh, and I think Islamic Republic of Iran moved in that direction, uh, trying to give it an Iranian and Persian face, that she is an Iranian uh, 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 legacy. It's not. It has nothing to do with Arabs. In that context, we have to look at the Arab-Iranian relations. If you add to them the nation-state idea in, in 20th century and the uh, the question of identity politics and and all of this, this has also add more complication to the uh, uh, relations between both sides. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, I think what that demonstrates is that we can't just take um, take contemporary issues in isolation for uh, from history much like you were saying before Majub about the importance of history and contextualizing um, a whole host of things absolutely, absolutely. And, and that I think that that answer in the article that 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 is um, is shaping that really do such a wonderful job of, of demonstrating the complexity of identity construction of of political contexts, of 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 the state, of of, of broader um, identity competition and political competition, and that's so integral to understanding the the, the Gulf today. Absolutely, that's. I mean, since at least uh, we know, at least since two thousand three, the question of sectarianism in the region is, as as you know, is becoming 
it's the center of, of conflict, a lot of conflicts in the region. And anyone want to study that uh, uh, has to go and understand the roots of that. Uh, and, and this is not, you know, and one of the elements is actually the Arab-Iranians relations uh, in, 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 um, in different, uh, I would say, historical uh, uh, eras. <clears throat> of course, of course. Marju, there, there's so much more that we could talk about in terms of Iranian foreign policy, the nuclear crisis, international diplomacy, um, your work on Hamas, but we've taken up so much of your time. So I think what we may have to do is invite you back for round two at some point, if that's okay. But uh, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely wonderful and I've, I've learned a great deal. Thank you, Simon. I really appreciate your invitation and I wish you all projects in your, uh, all, all success in your projects. Thank you very much, Majub. That's very kind of you. And uh, do check out Majub's work. Uh, I'll put some links to it in the, uh, in the episode notes. And as always... Thanks for listening. Until next time. I just Simon, 